0: Welcome to Two Girls and a Grape, where we attempt to learn about wine one bottle at a time. I'm Anne, and I say au revoir, but not goodbye.
1: And I'm Drea, and this episode is bittersweet for me. Today, we raise a glass one last time to my lovely co host, Anne. And you have been my favorite wino for many years and I can never, I'm never going to be able to express my gratitude for convincing me to come on this adventure with you and for being my person always. So I love you. I can't wait to drink with you in person again. Um, We are absolutely going to make you come on the show as a special guest when you are here. So get your liver ready, girl. And I'm (laughs) super excited for whatever creative adventure comes next for you. I tr- Once in a while, I'm a good person, um, but I'm also super excited because today we introduce our new co-host with the most, Miss Jules Ferguson. Yay! <laughs> So a little bit about Jules. Jules is a local wino here in San Diego and wine enthusiast who I actually met while sipping on some Natty Wines at our favorite local bodega, The Rose in South Park. Um, I know all of you have heard me mention this place on the show numerous times, and we are both early, long-time, consistent fans. Uh, (laughs) Since then, we've become (laughs) friends. We were just out The Rose, in fact, last week together. And we share a love of fine wines, Negronis, and scrappy dogs. We are currently surrounded by three of the four. Um, Jules has been an early listener of the podcast and supporter since we started, and I'm so happy to have her on board. So welcome to the show, Jules. And I can't even imagine the trouble we are going to get in together. So... (laughs) And this is your fault. And I hope you have bail money somewhere.
2: <laughs> uh, hi, that was a really nice introduction. Again, I hope we nice guys to know each other. has <laughs> had her fill of being nice already. So, um, so I can't believe I'm here. Uh, as Drea said, I've been listening to the podcast since the very beginning, and I've been a devoted listener. And I'm excited to bring my flair to the podcast
1: and she got some flair so
2: i have a 200 bottle wine fridge that is not quite full but i expect it to be while doing this podcast
1: it's research it's research it's research. important
0: tax right off jules you are gonna give drea a run for her money on this podcast i'm so excited for your episodes
1: did you hear that I want I want to be clear, Anne. She's a fridge for her wine as a opposed box. to leaving it on the floor like you do. Oh, the shade! Well, shade. I mean, I don't keep it in a box under my bed. So. Listen,
2: I'm not here to judge that.'re
1: you. <laughs> like I'm here for a good time. I do have space
2: in my wine fridge for some of your bottles.
1: Oh, perfect. All right. yeah, they can have. <laughs> I'll rehome a few. You can foster them. Yes. <laughs>
2: Perfect. <laughs> Every I wine
0: bottle to- deserves a good home.
1: <laughs> it does. It does. Oh, that should be a sticker. That can be our first Patreon sticker. <laughs> all right. So now that we're all friends um, and we've officially welcomed Jules into the fold, let's hit off our recurring segment of cheers and jeers. So, Anne, this, for your last one, this is better be a good one, girl. What do you got for us this week?
0: Well, I think this will come as no surprise to our long-term listeners, but my cheers this week is to my cat, Hillary Kitten. She has been just incredibly cuddly over the last few weeks. It's been really cold here in New York, and she is making the most of that to spend all her time basically um, – cuddling with me on the couch and it's been really, really nice uh, and just, you know, the the kind of life that I want to live. So that's my cheers to my one and only, my cat. Uh, And then my jeers is the reason that I have been doing so much lying around on the couch is uh, my back and getting old. Um, I don't recommend it. Uh, I strained strained something in my back this last week uh, at the gym and have just instead of doing anything with it have just been lying lying horizontal um which you know there are worse things in the world uh but that's my jeers getting old my back uh, you,
1: you, you know when jules is not being a wino she is a certified yoga instructor <laughs> so,
0: i mean i might need a few a few stretches after this <laughs>
1: okay
2: i got i got i got your back Thank you. Somebody better. <laughs> All
1: right. Uh, so this week, I am cheersing Zelensky from the Ukraine because I just, you know, just the, the stamina and the, the willingness and the optimism and the gumption of this guy um, has been so impressive in the face of such terrible adversity with everything that's going on in ukraine right now um and i had honestly never heard a more brilliant response to the united states which offered to airlift him out of the ukraine and he's replied i don't need a ride i need ammo Um, his commitment to you know going through this tragic time alongside his people is heartbreaking but also very inspiring um in certain ways and so you know cheers to to them and to all the people of the Ukraine as they continue to hold strong and um yeah we will see how this all unfolds as we move into the next couple days weeks and months and cheers um this will also surprise no one including Anne. the weather <laughs> I'm tired of it I'm tired of this <laughs> back and forth I'm just tired of all weather I just need I need what I pay for in San Diego, which is consistency, and I'm not getting it. So now I just snivel everywhere, and I always want to take a nap. So, yeah, I'm going to need that to stop. And doesn't my dog, doesn't want to cuddle with me anyways, so it's fine.
2: I'm pretty sure some people in the Midwest are going to be a little annoyed by
1: that. Yeah, probably, but, you know, <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> Pretty sure I've declared on this podcast that I'm California Coastal lead, so I'm not going to worry about it too much. SoCal problem. Yeah, exactly. So sad. All right, Jewel. so for your inaugural cheers and jeers, what have you got for us?
2: This was so much pressure for me to come up with something good. So my cheers this week, my first cheers, goes out to the U.S. women's national soccer team for winning a $24 million lawsuit arguing for equal pay. Yeah. So let's, yeah. I mean, let's be honest. It's still not going to be equal, but it's going to get them a little bit closer to what they deserve. And my jeers this week, I think, is pretty
1: obvious. Fuck Putin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that is all. (laughs) that is all I have to say about that. That is all I have to say about that guy. Yeah, I don't think too many people are going to argue with you there. (laughs) this episode shenanigans we thought it would be fun to put the spotlight on our new co-host Jules and have a little getting to know you getting to know you getting to know you you getting to know all all about, about you, you. Uh, just a fun little, you know, <laughs> Julesy s trivia game. So we have crafted some fun questions for you um, that are going to tell us what kind of wino you really are. You ready? Uh, yes. <laughs> that did not sound convincing, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, first off, what is your favorite varietal of wine, and what is your least favorite, and why?
2: Oh. Oh and why? You didn't tell me I was gonna have to say well, why. Well I had to I had to leave a few
1: surprises.
2: Okay. So my favorite right now I like I have that to qualifier. Put that caveat in Rin, would be a Zinfandel. Because when it's cooler weather, eating like stews and heavier foods, I really like a nice bold wine. Red, of course. Of course. My least favorite is Petite Syrah. Really? And the only reason for that is I developed an allergy to Petite Syrah specifically during the pandemic. Oh, that's horrible. I know. But just that grape. Just a Petite Syrah. So weird. Everybody thinks it's bizarre.
1: I mean, Yeah. It's also concerning because it's like a nut allergy thing where it's like you're allergic to one nut and then one day you could be allergic to all of them. This is what would terrify me.
2: My life would be rude.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I'd have to find another co-host.
2: <laughs> oh. were, you, were you a Syrah fan before the allergy developed? Yes, big time. Love Syrah, love petite Syrah. I mean, that's a good reason for it to be your
1: least favorite now. I respect that, yeah.
2: So, so it's the- only because of an allergy though. Otherwise, I love a Syrah. Okay, so if you didn't
1: have the allergy, what would it be? Chardonnay. Yeah, all right. See, we're on the same wavelength here. Two thumbs down.
0: Two two peas in a pod. (laughs) (laughs) Rebrand. So, Jules, what is the wine producer that you're currently obsessed with?
2: Really hard question for me to think about because I'm an equal opportunity drinker. So I would say, though, that my sort of obsession right now is this female winemaker up in um, the Santa Ynez Valley area. And her wine is called Casa Dumas. And she makes amazing Grenache, which I know Drea loves. Love a Grenache. She also has a gsm that's delicious
1: Mm.
2: called the feminist party Ooh, yes Mm -hmm.
1: i feel like that's going to be a future episode
2: yes it's amazing
1: (laughs) i like the caveats too because i feel like as the weather changes as our taste Mm -hmm. changes we taste more we're able to do that but i i definitely think that area is having a moment up there too um so yeah i feel like a feminist party is in our future (laughs) Okay, so, and uh, like myself, Jules is a fellow wanderluster uh, who loves to travel. And so, now that we're hopefully, maybe sort of coming out of the pandemic and kind of booking stuff and trying to be cautiously optimistic, um, what is the wine region that you most want to travel to that you haven't been to yet?
2: Okay, so I literally picked two countries
1: (laughs) (laughs) do it world winter she's like well it's gonna be a real long trip and i've been saving for this and i'm gonna make it worth my life
2: i mean if i'm flying to europe i'm going to italy and spain
1: yeah Yeah. true i mean you could probably throw in portugal too it's right there She's thinking. And then
0: just answer. don't come back. I mean, then just live your European life. <laughs> just stay.
2: <laughs> well, I do speak Portuguese.
0: That's so. true.
1: You do speak yeah. Portuguese. Yeah. See, there you go.
0: <laughs> so what is some wine nonsense that drives you insane? This could be a misconception people have about wine. This could be a uh, misbehavior people have when they are drinking wine. What's what's some
2: nonsense? That makes you crazy. Okay. There's a lot of nonsense that drives me nuts about wine tasting and that kind of stuff. But the one thing that I really can't stand is when people in a restaurant order a bottle of wine and send it back because they don't like it. Not because it's corked or there's something wrong with it, but they're just like, I don't like this. I'm like, that's not how it works. Yeah, completely unacceptable.
1: (laughs) Not how that works at all. Terrible wine etiquette. (laughs) Yeah, not cool. Yeah, it's like, you made that choice, buddy. Deal with it. You chose
2: to get something that you you didn't know.
1: You chose to get an aged Tempranillo. What were you thinking? (laughs) All right, yeah, I think that's a good one. Um, And you see that way more than you should, too, which is the unfortunate part. Uh, Although I do want to know, like, who gets that wine? Maybe the staff? I hope so, for putting up with that nonsense.
2: Then it goes, like, on the the by-the-glass
1: menu. Oh, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Who knows? knows. We have a special this evening. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, heard about the nonsense that you don't like, but what is your guilty wine pleasure?
2: Okay, I'm not even guilty
1: about it. (laughs) Shameless wine pleasure? Yes. (laughs) I love
2: drinking a whole bottle to myself.
1: <laughs> You've come to the right place. <laughs> I know Anne was like, since you're recording together, you just need one bottle. And I was like, do we? Do we?
0: I mean, why break tradition? A bottle a person seems like a really good rule. Seems yes. reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so help us get to know you a little bit better. What is your favorite wine-themed memory? If you can remember it.
2: (laughs) girl (laughs) took the words right out of my mouth. (laughs) So I actually recently told Drea this story. And the memory's a little fuzzy, but it goes something like this. I was down in the Valle de Guadalupe in Mexico. And we were at our last tasting of the day before we headed home. And these two middle-aged Mexican sort of cowboy dudes roll in with their big hats and their beautiful leather boots. And they start asking the tasting manager to open random bottles of wine so they could taste it. And the manager was like, oh, no, that bottle is like $200. It's the last one. And they're like, open it. And this went on for like two hours. (laughs) And because I had been there chatting with them and I speak Spanish, they're like, and pour her some too. I passed out on the drive home. I was not driving, just to be clear.
1: (laughs) Her husband was though. (laughs) Yes. And he was not drinking. So he was just witnessing all of this.
2: (laughs) He was my designated driver and I was not a good passenger. I literally woke up as we're driving through the border.
1: <laughs> I mean, we've all been there.
2: It
0: was I feel like that. that's the way you want it to go. Like you yeah. would prefer to yes. be uh, asleep until you are crossing over.
1: Yes, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like you really got the full advantage on that trip. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> but it was really fun. I mean, we had, I had such a good time with these guys. And Rob was just sort of sitting there like, she's never leaving.
1: <laughs> no, Rob, we're never leaving. This is our life now. <laughs> In fact, Rob is out of town right now, and who knows, he may come back, and I may still be here. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Jules, for sharing some of your uh, wino experience with us. And I'm sure as we move into future episodes, we're going to learn a lot more about your likes and dislikes, do's and don'ts, and dirty little wino secrets.
2: I don't know. I don't really like to talk that much.
1: And in her final full episode, we are drinking one of her absolute faves, of course, a cava. So Anne and I have many, many wonderful memories together drinking Mm kava, and it just seemed like an appropriate bottle. Um, And because it's bubbly, it's also a good celebratory bottle to welcome jewels into the fold slash cult slash rehab center. So, um, yeah, we've got a beautiful bottle today. Um, it is by Avignon, and it's a Brut Reserva from 2018. Its price point is about 16 to $18, um, depending on where you go, and it has an ABV of 12%. So pretty standard for, for a cava.
0: I'm excited about this cava because we've had a few on this show, but this one is it's at least new to me, and I think it might be new to you as well. I, f-
1: I feel like I may have had this at some point because, as we all know, when I'm in Spain, I drink a lot. No. <laughs> I know. It's shocking. It's shocking. Uh, and a cava is a common um midday order of mine so you know who knows who knows impossible to say uh, but th- as far as cavas go this is a very very classic bottle um, so it is made from the three noble grapes that we've talked about before uh peralala and macaveo and those are the three that you find typically in cavas from the benedez valley which we'll get into in a little bit here um, it is made in the traditional champagne method style. So just a quick reminder for our listeners that that is a double fermentation process, once in the tank, once again in the bottle. Um, so really different from like the pet nat we had, for example, from South Africa um, a couple episodes back. And uh Jules has some fun facts about kava for us. So, Jules, what you, would you find out about one of our favorite varietals here?
2: Okay, so fun facts with Jules. I love this. Kicking it off. So I thought it'd be kind of fun to dig around and find, you know, just kind of a random fact about the wine that we're drinking that you might run across in, say, a pub trivia or something. Right, some random thing.
1: It's how we're going to win Jeopardy.
2: It's totally how you're going to win Je-
1: not me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, yeah, I'm not going to remember this. <laughs> you did this you is like smart one. <laughs> this is history channel style learning where you're just like, oh, that's fucking fascinating. And then you just keep drinking. Yes. <laughs> so I I came up with one,
2: just one fun fact, trying to keep it short and sweet, that there is a regulatory board for all things kava. And they're called the Consejo Regulador del Cava. It's very rude. And in order to be granted the Gran Reserva title, which means that it has spent more than 30 months aging, the Cava is subject to a tasting analysis and a final rating by this regulatory board.
1: They take their wine very seriously. I'm into it. Yeah, I appreciate it.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, and there's kava's tons no joke.
1: of facts. It, it is no joke. This is a verified cava. It's verified.
2: <laughs> By the Consejo Regulador del Cava.
1: And Jules. <laughs> 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 All right.
2: Hey, awesome fun so, fact.
1: <laughs> I love that. And I'm assuming that this um, Grand Master Board of Cava s- sits in the Penedez Valley, which is famous for their cavas.
2: yes. Yeah. Their base, I think their address was Barcelona,
1: actually. Oh, look at that,
2: Barcelona.
1: Maybe we can visit. Maybe we, they have like a tour. Well, we could have a work trip. Yes, I love this. <laughs> and do you want to come? You can come. She's like, no, I'm done with you both. No, obviously, <laughs> of course I want to come.
2: <laughs> she's like, does that even merit a response?
1: Yeah, she's like, I do not understand the question, and I, I will am not packing respond my to it. bag. <laughs> that was a rhetorical yeah. question. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about um the region and i know we we talked some when we did the freshenet um but i was so focused on the history of freshenet and the families that started it because it was straight up out of a telenovela uh but i figured it might be nice to do a little bit more about the valley itself so um the the Penedes domain of origin area was actually established in 1932. So really early on in the commercial production business of, of um, the wine region in that area. And Cava specifically received its own domain of origin labeling in 1986. Um, Now that doesn't mean that they started making Cava in 1986 though, right? It's actually been around much, much longer. So the Valley itself has its, and its wine have very ancient origins. Um, and I'm getting a good amount of this information from the Villafranca Wine Museum, which is in Villafranca, Catalonia. And I I didn't know that they had a wine museum there. Like, I see the exits when I go see my friends in Sitges. And so now I'm going to make these friends, like, go to this museum with me. But the museum has documented wine production in the region dating back to the Phoenician introduction of Chardonnay vines (laughs) in the 6th century BC. So that's quite some time that wine has been thriving in this area. Um, And the region even had a already thriving wine export market um, through the Moorish occupation of Catalonia in the Middle Ages. Then in the 18th century, the Spanish administration of colonial South America. So, you know, all of the colonies that Spain was overseeing in the South American continent kind of opened up further export markets and added to the economy of both the region and the colonies in the Americas. So it's at that point that you see this huge influx of wealth um, going into the valley and areas, uh, wineries are really allowed to expand and develop. So... For our purposes, though, with this episode, Penedès is, of course, also known for its yield of Spain's signature sparkling wine, the Cava. And the largest and most productive, so it's the largest and the most productive region of wine in Catalonia, and it is Cava's birthplace. Um, and Avignon, which we are featuring today, hails from this area. So a couple things about um, early Cava production, and I thought you would be like super into some of this stuff here. So winemakers in the region have, it's its thought that they began making wine, sparkling wines, as early as the 1850s. However, these were kind of the way we think of um, pet nats today in some sense. They were primarily small experiments designed for local or family consumption They really weren't for sale or export. Um, They were just sort of a, a hobby type wine that more established wineries were starting to make. But the official birth of cava um, is thought to really begin in the 1860s when Joseph uh, Raventos, and Raventos is still a label that you see on cavas across this region, uh, began to travel across Europe to promote the wines um, for the Carneros New Winery that's there in Penedes, And these were still mostly red wines that he was, was trying to sell. Um, So the story goes that while visiting the Champagne region of France, he began to think about ways to use Spanish grapes in traditional champagne making processes. And he actually then came back to Spain, started working away at the vineyard and produced his first sparkling wine in 1872. And the timing for this is really important, too, because this is after the vineyards of Penedes Valley, like many of those across the European continent had been devastated by the phylloxera plague, which we've talked about many times on this podcast, because it's such a seminal moment in winemaking that really ch- changes the landscape of wine across the globe. So, At this point, the market is incredibly ripe for white varietals um, and in dire need of something new to revitalize the industry that had just been hit incredibly hard uh, by the Phylloxera plague. So by the late 19th century, Spanish sparkling winemakers had already begun large scale commercial production to export their wines across phylloxera-ridden Europe. And in the 20th century, Kava Vinters um, once again continue to revolutionize the industry by pioneering technological advances in winemaking, including advanced methods and machinery for disgorgement and corking processes. So um, the region there in Panedas has been incredibly important to the growth of the wine industry as a whole, and in particular, that recovery from phylloxera.
2: Also, additional fun fact. Ooh. So I lied. I have more
1: than one. I love this. 95%
2: of the cava made in Spain comes from this area.
1: That tracks. Mm -hmm. That also may explain why I drink a lot when I'm there. Yes.
2: Yeah. So what can you tell me
0: maybe more specifically about this particular winemaker?
1: So this wasn't, again, wasn't as dramatic as the Freshenet story, but equally (laughs) as fun. What's really cool about Avignon is parcel of land that it sits on. Vines, grape vines, have been growing in that direct area where the current vineyard is since 3 BC. Three. Three. Precisely. (laughs) (laughs) And the land where the winery sits um, was originally home to the castle of Avignon, which was built around 990 BCE. How do they know these things? You know, I feel like the Euros are real into their history and castles and shit. Yeah. Your your parents are from Scotland. It's true. How many castles could they trace their lineage to? I mean...
2: Our family lineage, I don't think we're from any castle.
1: Okay, well we'll we'll ask them when they're here next. My so, dad will tell you that we're
2: that we are royalty. Yeah, but. you own Scotland. That's <laughs> yes. right.
1: Yeah. They're they're obsessed with the castles. The Euros are obsessed with castles. So the castle was in fact built in 990. <laughs> And was kept in private hands until the 13th century when the property was passed to the San Cugat de Valles Monastery. Uh, so it became, you know, property of the church. And then in the 16th century, the church sold the land. And it went into the possession of the Fontanales family um, who built the first original Capelan country house there. Now, these houses are these big beautiful Spanish style farmhouses. They're called um, in Catalan they call them Macias and they're very typical in this region. So if you're driving out to the Penedes Valley or taking the train from Barcelona on this, either sides of the road you just see both these new beautiful country houses or older ones that have been abandoned and you know what I, I having done this route a number of times i believe that some of that shit was from 99 or from 990 yeah for sure um and so once this, they had established their kind of homestead there, um, vines continued to be one of the crops that were cultivated on that land uh, and were always part of the family's uh, farming and industry. So after the Phylloxera plagues destroyed many of the vines on the land, uh, Jean Us.
2: Esteve Marseille.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, this is great. Esteve Marseille. Traveled to France uh, to learn new methods of vine cultivation and winemaking in order to help recover the property. Because at this point, you know, a good third of their economic income had been completely decimated. And he continues sort of this tradition of winemaking with the aid of other winemakers in the area and, of course, learning from his French counterparts. And it's at this point, really, that Avignon becomes established as a family business. So in the 50s, Jean's son um, begins to commercialize the vineyard adds more machinery to the processes. Um, in, and this includes, and I kind of loved this tidbit that I got from their website, the use of the first tractor in their small rural village community, which I was just like, this is rad. Trailblazers. Yeah. <laughs> That's adorable. And by the 70s, they were finally producing kava on the property um, on a much larger scale. So they had moved sort of out of that experimentation. And in 1982, the first bottle of Avignon Cava went to market with an initial production of of 2,418 bottles. So very small production and honestly, 1982 pretty late in the Cava production game. Um, they had primarily done still whites of red varietals up until that point. Um, so when you look at the region and you think about, you know, other houses or sellers like Freshinet, uh and Raventos, like You know, this is a much newer player on the Cava scene. But since that time, um, the family and the Avignon label has really been committed to sustainable and responsible viticultural practices from growth to bottling. And today, the winery is run by the 14th generation of the family that continues to live and work that land and refine their craft. Um, and really push their wines further. So I think that this bottle is a really great representation of sort of old Panadez Valley and kind of newly emerging um, wine focal points in the area that have really become important to sustaining them on the international stage. So yeah, I told you it wasn't as dramatic, but they have a castle.
0: It would be really hard to be as dramatic as the fresh Annette. We'll put the link to that episode in the description for this one as well, if you want to catch up on the full gossip. All right, should we uh, should we get into what's
1: in this bottle? Yeah, let's talk about it. So, Anne, I know you're a very visual human. Um, what what do you what do you see in your glass, girl? so this is i would say a very
0: lovely um pale yellow uh everyone knows my favorite feature of akava is the bubbles and even now after we've had this um, in our glasses for a little while i'm still getting a pretty good amount of bubbles um filtering up towards the top so that's got me pretty excited about this but yeah very pale golden yellow Uh, in the glass really lovely color what about you what are you
1: seeing I knew you were gonna love the bubble stream from the moment I poured and Jules do you drink a lot of sparkling what's your what's your sparkling situation I do I love some bubbles yeah
2: yeah we call bubbles in this house we're just like who wants bubbles
1: all, always
2: all the time I will always say yes to bubbles
1: I had this I had this bottle in the fridge and my parents are visiting right now because they babysat my dog because we went to a 40th birthday uh-huh. celebration last night and Dobie has a fractured tail so um my dad was like oh is this kava in the fridge I was like don't fucking touch that <laughs> don't fucking touch that <laughs> hands off stop it <laughs> It's like, you could have the pet nap. He's like, I don't want the pet nap. I want bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we do love a bubble stream for sure. Okay. And uh, should we give it a whiff? Let's do it. Oh, man. I just, every time I smell a kava, it just takes me back to some creepy little cellar that I've crawled into or crawled out of.
0: <laughs> I thought we were supposed
1: to make this sound appealing.
0: And no, that is appealing. That's like my Not when you say through. it's a creepy little
1: cellar. Yeah, they're like all small, kind of like... I, Old. I, yeah. yeah. They smell like this, though. Okay, how about... If you ever go to the Benitez Valley and you take a tour of a beautiful historic cellar... This is the smell you get the moment you walk down those steps.
0: Which is so funny See, because... I don't know that I would describe this as like a cellar. Like, I think when I sniff this, it's refreshing. It's mm-hmm. fresh. I don't get the cellar vibes. I could be wrong. I haven't spent a ton of time in uh cellars. cellars <laughs> but I just, for our listeners, if you, if you also haven't gotten that, it's not moldy. It's not rotten.
2: Yeah. It's fresh. I agree. I was literally going to say... I am not getting cellar vibes. What kind of I was are you getting guys going to fresh, <laughs> real cellars. Yeah, I was just like, this smells like spring, like fresh, light. Definitely not a dark,
1: dingy cellar. Well, you know what? Cellars live in my heart, and they're all bright and light. Okay, <laughs> Don't love and light in my cellar. That sounded weird. That got weird. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it is. It is very refreshing. Um, I'm getting to like a little bit of definitely citrus, almost a little bit of that fresh cut grass um, kind of herbaceousness. I think that's definitely the Shirello uh, in this bottle, which tends to, to have more of those properties and a little bit more saltiness. And then there's just that. I'm getting kind of like Peach yeah maybe some light summer stone fruit and there's that little tiny hint at the end of sweetness like kind of that bakery vibe i love it girl we haven't gotten to the official tasting part yet
2: (laughs) i mean i just love the smell of it
1: oh okay sorry did i fuck that up did i give it away (laughs)
0: Certainly, no one who has ever listened to this podcast before would imagine that we had ever drank it before our official tasting.
1: As Anne puts it, we're actually better when we keep, when we're drinking earlier. Yes. (laughs) So, all right, should we give this a swish and swirl and gulp? Let's do it. All those tiny bubbles on the mouth, and they are going straight to my head. I was gonna say
0: (laughs) that's one of my favorite feelings is just the like pop, pop, pop on your mouth. It's like adult pop rocks.
2: Or there's a British candy called Refreshers. What? Have you ever had those? No,
1: but I want to. Mm-hmm. They
2: look they're around, kind of. This is gonna sound really not good, like chalky almost, like an alka Oh, Alka-Sall like something. uh, like Necco wafers, kind of. Like that's, I don't know what those are.
1: They're yeah, they're like round ch- or like sweet tarts,
2: kind of like a sweet tart, okay. and it has this sort of like fizzy quality to it, a little sour, where you kind of pucker your Mouth a little bit. Ooh, Anne!
1: I thought like like this that. could be your jam.
2: Refreshers.
0: I could be into that. I will have to check those out. So after the pop rock sensation, what are the flavors that you're getting
1: uh, with this first sip? Definitely getting like some some softer citrus, like Meyer lemon. Uh, a little bit of key lime, maybe pear. Slightly underripe pear into that you don't really get the the kind of brioche background when you sip on it the way you do on the nose for me how about you jules the sweetness
2: you mean yeah Mm Mm-hmm. i feel like this has a little bit of a you know when you get a really crisp granny smith
1: apple Mm. there's a little bit of that to it yeah a little bit of that tartness Mm -hmm. on the back end for sure yeah yeah the pucker Anne, how about you? What fruit does are swimming in your mouth?: I think definitely, like
0: you both have said, pear, apple, um, that sort of very early, very
1: fresh spring fruits. Very green yeah I, I can't I mean, this is I think when we were up at Peachy Canyon, August was talking to us, our guest about how different wines pour on different days. And so part of me is like, is this just our collective desire for spring to be mm-hmm. here? or but it does seem like a frankly like a wine I would want to drink in March, early March, you know, something easy, bright, oh, I don't know, hopeful. Drea's really
2: just wanting it to be 75 and sunny.
1: I'll, I was no, going to say, let's not get carried away. I'll take 72. Hopeful. I'll take 72. Okay. <laughs> yeah, what was I think? You're like, oh, shit, if Drea's hopeful, we got pause. Yeah.
2: <laughs> You're putting a lot of pressure on this one bottle of cava.
1: <laughs> so when you find me curled up crying, hugging the bottle, you'll know.
2: <laughs> so what
1: hopeful
0: foods would you pair with this wine in your sort of early spring
1: imagining?
2: I I cheated a little bit. (laughs) Because you
1: knew what was coming. You are so good at this because we know what's coming every time we do one of these fucking episodes. We never think about it. And yet we just... Well, (laughs) I really, I was thinking
2: about a cava and I know that we think about what do you want to eat with this and what situation are you in so i can i have a food and situation that's kind of all wrapped into one
1: girl take it away so
2: for me i want to be standing up at a little cafe or tapas bar in spain eating croquetas de jamon mm mm-hmm. yes. so good And using those super shitty, annoying napkins that they give you at tapas bars.
1: I love those. Are you familiar with those? I am so familiar.
2: That they're almost like waxy and don't clean anything up. No. Right?
1: But it's great.
2: But that's what I'm eating and that's where I am. Like I can literally picture myself just in a cacophony of sound and people and drinking.
1: I love that. I actually know the perfect bar for you too to do this in. (laughs) (laughs) Uh yeah you know at first I was thinking that because my instinct with bubbles is always to go brunch mm-hmm. but because I also I do love a day drink opportunity um, but with the crispness of this and kind of that early spring fruit I I definitely want to pair it with something salty and you know I was thinking about um, from this region in particular. Pinchos have become so popular, and for those of you who may not know, pinchos are, I think we talked about this in, in the um, the uh, Chocolina episode that we did last spring, but they're little, like, bite-sized, single-serve tapas that come on sticks, And when you go to these pinchot bars across the region, that's how you pay for your meal. So whatever sticks, you know, you eat off of, they collect them in this little jar and then they count them out and charge you accordingly. And it can be anything from like, you know, um, skewered, like uh, uh, anchovy stuffed olives to cheeses to chorizo, just like. Something salty and delicious mm-hmm. to, to really pick up on some of the minerality in this, this bottle, I think.
0: I was also going in the salty direction, but I think I am significantly less cool than both of you because my mind went directly to popcorn uh, and specifically oh. the Trader Joe's Herbs and Spices popcorn. That is possibly in my future tonight.
1: Is I the rest of this do. bottle and popcorn? <laughs> I I do love and respect that Trader Joe's herbs and spices popcorn. I've uh, never tried it. Oh girl, it's delicious. Okay, yeah, on my list. It's in a green bag, and it's it's the closest I can get to the popcorn that they have at Kindred. Okay. Yeah. So Kindred is uh, a local San Diego vegan place, and they make popcorn that is so delicious. Like I have dreams about it. That's how good it is. And uh, it's it's close to that. Just pour some like chili oil on it though, and let it wedge. up a little bit. Yep, you're good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I do love a bubble with a popcorn.
2: I feel like I want all of our choices in front of me right now. Yeah,
1: just like a full smorgasbord of just tapas type Popcorn. Food. Yeah, yeah. and then we can watch food. a Spanish movie. Love it, Mi gran noche. Okay.
0: What So Mi Gran Noche, is that the movie you would watch? That I know we don't is, typically ask the movie question,
1: but that since is you brought it up. I would watch 100%. And if you both have not seen this film, you need to. It's on Netflix. It stars Rafael, who is a, he's kind of like a, a Tony Bennett, Tom Jones-style singer from Spain. He's the one who's saying uh, Escándalo, Escándalo. Escándalo. And he's amazing. I've actually seen him perform at the Liceo in Polona. but he's in this hilarious slapstick comedy film. What's the film called? Mi Gran Noche. Mi Gran Noche, okay. And it's the premise is, is that they're filming um, a super opulent New Year's Eve special, and there are massive protests over, like, Austerity and unemployment going on outside. And then there's also like a plot to kill someone. It's, it's hilarious. It is really, really funny. Jules, what would you watch?
2: Man, I feel like something reality. So not necessarily a movie, but something I could just binge. Like selling sunset. (laughs) Selling sunset. (laughs)
1: the real housewives of Barcelona
2: (laughs) I mean yes okay I'll take that
1: (laughs) if there was such a (laughs) if only so my head
0: actually went to Wes Anderson and I don't know if either of you have Uh. seen his latest film The French Dispatch but it was delightful I think it would pair really nicely with this I also think Grand Budapest Hotel would be really fun it's whimsical it's light it's entertaining I think it could be a good time
1: I do think whimsy is like an important piece to all of this, right? Like I love some some a side of whimsy with my sparkling wines always. <laughs> Does anyone have a book to recommend?
2: I recently finished a book called People We Meet on Vacation. Oh. So it's a tale of two best friends who jet set around the world together once a year. And of course, there's an inevitable romantic plot twist, but I'm not going to ruin it for anybody. But it's a super fun, sort of light, funny tour of these different places that they go on vacation. And it's just, they go to Palm Springs, they go to the Caribbean, they go to Europe. So it's... I feel like this is a perfect wine to sip on while reading a book like that. That's kind of light and just fun. Yeah, I like that. Definitely not Russian literature. (laughs) Sorry, Anne. (laughs) No, I would agree with that
0: here. I was thinking of, um, is it The House by the Cerulean Sea, Drea? Mm -hmm. That kind of came to mind. That sort of like slightly fantastical slightly fantastical. whimsical slightly childish vibe I think would play really nicely with this bottle
1: yeah that's a good choice I like that a lot I'm trying to think of what I've read recently that would go really well with this Harry Potter <laughs> actually Harry Potter would go well with it would. like the early ones one yeah. and two like before shit got real yeah <laughs> All right, i that's still Jules's idea. <laughs> so I've been watching the movies like nonstop because they've just been on yeah. TV. So I'm like, oh great! And poor John's like, mm, okay, I see Here what this go. is tonight.
0: <laughs> okay, so while we're all hanging out in uh, an adorable tapas bar, eating pinchos, what are we listening to?
2: Okay, mine makes no sense in that scenario. Have you have you listened to us ever? That's true. Yeah. This is true. There's a lot of fuckery that happens. Yeah, right? especially so. at
1: this point, because we're at the end of the bottle, You typically, which reminds me, I should pour some more. Okay, so I also combined two
2: sort of things for this one. Look at you, just getting it all in. Music and a person. We're going to drink again, girl. It's okay. I know. Dolly fucking Parton. I'm listening to Dolly. I'm hanging out with Dolly. (laughs) Because she's sassy.
0: She's funny. I mean, there's there's no topping that. Yeah, I'm like, fuck.
1: Well, fuck my drag. Okay.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So we're all hanging out with Dolly.
1: Apparently. I mean, so I (laughs) was going to say this would be a great kava for a drag brunch and then um they just announced the next cast of drag race españa and then just like hang out with all them bitches afterwards you know but i feel like dolly would be into that i mean she kind of looks like a drag queen already, right so yeah Yeah. Uh, i i feel like she is she's appropriate to this scene how about you ann who are you inviting to our our dolly drag party I mean,
0: now I'm wildly reconsidering things. I had been <laughs> this thinking about Esperanza Spalding, the uh, jazz bassist. Oh, ah, mm-hmm. And I think she could hang. I think she could hang. She brings a little bit of a different vibe, but... She
1: could definitely hang. So, do you know she is fluent in Spanish? I
2: mean, her name is Esperanza.
1: Uh, true, but fluent in Spanish. saw her at the El Grec in Barcelona one year, and she was phenomenal. I got tore up by mosquitoes, but she was phenomenal. hate mosquitoes. I know, they're gross. Jeers. They love me. To mosquitoes. They love me. (laughs) (laughs) If there is one in a five-mile radius, that fucker is going to bite me. Oh, they don't touch me. What? I promise you that's
2: the truth. Rob will have 100 bites, and I will have not one.
1: Well, the next time I'm over for a wine night, you make sure Rob sits next to me, because fuck this. All right. Well, I think this is a great party. We're just having a full on Dolly Drag Pinchos celebration. And then we're all going to watch a movie and eat popcorn. This sounds like an ideal situation.
2: I think we might have to make some popcorn now.
1: We may. Yeah. I mean, we've got to finish this bottle. Yes.
2: Popcorn. And
1: Anne's having popcorn. Yeah. I mean, it's an obligation to finish the bottle at this point.
2: Well, it's got bubbles. You can't not finish it. Exactly. Like you have to drink it.
1: Oh, so circling back to annoying wine things, people who actually believe that putting a spoon in this shit is going to help. Yeah, have you heard this crazy tale? No. So it, uh, the the myth goes that if you put a spoon, like a silver spoon into the bottle, okay. It'll keep the carbonation.
2: But how do you get the spoon in the bottle?
1: Right. Like already already dumb. It's also <laughs> just not true like it's not true invest in a good bottle capper they make some specifically for sparklings
2: yeah i have one of those that like sucks the air out oh nice like a pump
1: Mm -hmm. yeah i have one it's it's just a cap but it's specifically designed for sparklings that i got at (laughs) freshenet fancy and um it's amazing it cost me four euros it's the best four euros i've ever spent (laughs) good investment yep Although, let's be
2: honest, why are we even trying to act like we're not going to finish? Them? I don't
1: know. I don't know.
2: If you could all see the death stare I'm giving Dre right now. Like, <laughs> she
1: also my girl. No, like I have drank at this house many a time. So like we <laughs> all know what's happening here. <laughs> so if someone wants to drink along with us uh, and join us in this
0: Dolly Parton popcorn party, where can they find their bo- a bottle of their own?
1: So this one was a little tricky, everyone. Um, And again, we had to look for it by coastally right? But I am a huge advocate this month of WineSearcher.com. I I looked up this ball on WineSearcher and found that I could get it at a wine shop that was about 20 miles from my house. Um, And they're fantastic, and I think I mentioned on our last episode, uh, they're great too because they can put you in touch with bottle shops that you know are either in your area or close enough that they can ship directly to you. So I, they're definitely worth a look and a bookmark um, to make sure that you're able to get the bottles that you want.
2: And where did you find your bottle?
0: My go-to place is Astor Wines uh, Mm -hmm. in New York City. I love their selection. Um, I love going there. It's one of my favorite neighborhoods in the city. So if you are on the East Coast or in New York City, I highly recommend Aster.
1: And Aster does ship cross-country.
0: So yes. You want to make it worth your while, but they will ship to you. Like by a case. Yeah. 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 For sure.
1: <laughs> so exactly. So
0: you know. I can't wait to follow along on the new adventures of Jules and Drea. Where can people follow you
1: so we are in the process of revamping our instagram but we're still at the same place uh you can follow us on ig at two girls in a grape pod that's t-w-o girls in a grape pod or send us your recommendations, your love letters, your praise at two girls great pod at gmail.com. And we will be announcing our next bottle on IG. So look for a lot more content on there to come soon.
0: Drea, Jules, it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Um... I'm not going to even try to repeat what you said at the top, Drea, but it's been a true pleasure. And Jules, I feel very confident uh, that you are the right hands for this podcast. So cheers to both of you. Uh, I can't wait to follow your adventures uh, and laugh along with your shenanigans.
1: Well, and you're still going to be involved in shenanigans when you come out. So prepare yourself.
2: (laughs) And I'm super excited to be here. Cheers. Salud. Salud. Salud.